Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Club. I'm Alice, and as always, I'm joined by my gorgeous, beautiful collaborator, friend, love. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> don't cry about it. Jesus. <laughs> well, this is why I don't usually do the intro, you guys. <laughs> I'm joined by Jessamy. Hello, Jess. Hello, beautiful Alice. I love you. I love you too. Woman Jika, we are speaking today. We're recording from Nam or Melbourne, as always. Um, we're on War and Jury Land and very uh, grateful to be here. And as we normally kind of try mention or try acknowledge at the start of our shows, woman jika means to come with purpose. And our purpose with this podcast is not only for our listeners to feel less alone, but for us to feel less alone and to get time to hang out. So Yay. hey, what's up? Yay! Yeah. Um, I'm so tired. <laughs> Which is nothing new, but I had um, <clears throat> Creative Mornings this morning, which is the the monthly breakfast lecture series that I host. And Alice um, sent me a message earlier being like, oh, do you mind if we push it back a bit? So we were set to meet at two and you're like, oh, maybe could we push it to like 4.30? I'm like, I will be dead by then. <laughs> you said we, communi- we communicated in emojis. Jessamy sent the melty smiley face one, yeah. which is which is the equivalent <laughs> of like when your fuel light turns red on your car. And yeah. I sent the fucking goofy, googly-eyed one, which I've never sent before, and hate. Yeah, I hate it too. I, ha- I hate it so. But I, don't I understand. Know why I hate it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. There are some. Isn't that funny? There are some emojis that you like. I feel like this is telling me something about your character. Yeah, that I don't appreciate. I, just, I feel like that emoji is trying too hard. Yeah. I'm like, we don't need it. But anyway, today there I was, and it was. I've never used it before, and I was like, it's the most accurate descriptor of where I'm at. Yeah. The tongue, the eyes, the whole thing. So yeah. Mix those two emojis together and that's what the <laughs> that's next what hour is going to be like. <laughs> Strap in, folks. Um, I, on that note, I'm just going to double check that I did in fact press record yeah, because yeah, cool. now I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. We're wow. professionals. Don't worry it's, about it. This is this always happens when we record on a Friday. Yeah. And every time we forget and then every time we're like, wow, that was flying close to the wind. <laughs> the two women on the edge. Hey, you know, got to live a little bit dangerously. So um, so Creative Mornings went well? It did. Can I tell you yes. about one of my, fa- <laughs> one of my favorite Please. answers to a question that I've had? Yeah. yeah. So the speaker this month um, was Dale Hardiman, who is a, um, a furniture designer. Um, very creative, excellent speaker, really, really interesting. But in the, so generally the talks go for sort of 20, 30 minutes and then we have about 10 minutes of questions. And uh, one of the questions was something along the lines of what are your thoughts on art versus design? And his response was, you know what, I'm actually not interested in having that conversation. Fuck, that's... (laughs) that and he went on to give a little bit more reason basically being like well that's just that's just a distraction from progress yeah and like that like what the fuck is the point of getting caught up in this debate and what is or what isn't when we could all be like just doing better work yeah it's also it's really interesting that I think that at a certain level like early in your career that is something that people fixate on yeah this idea and essentially it boils down to concept versus craft Mm. loosely is what Mm -hmm. people are speaking about. And I think when people get higher and their work gets good enough, those two things are the same thing. Yes. Like the materiality of your practice, whatever it is, is like so inherently part of the concept and the concept is so inherently part of the material that it's inseparable and fucking irrelevant. Yeah. But when you're early and you're starting out and you're insecure, you pick the team that you most aligned with, that you feel safe with, and you're like, fuck the other guys. Yeah. <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. I think that is, that's exactly it. It come, comes with confidence over time that there is no, like, click teams or whatever. Yeah. Just, like, just do cool stuff just that makes lights shit. your heart up. Yeah, and make stuff. That's kind of it. Yeah. But I, I thought it was... Uh, it's very powerful, actually. I was yeah. like, oh, I, I love, love that. <laughs> I love. There's something that's so um, always really interesting and powerful about rejecting the terms of a question. Mm. Someone's like A or B, and you're like, no, neither. There's a third option. There's C, which is like rejecting the entire premise because, yeah. like, it's not as simple as the the question has got a lot of assumptions baked into it. Yeah, and you're kind of taking a step back and reading the question on a meta level and being like, no, 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 no. 
I'm not participating. Yeah. yeah. And I should say as well, like it was said with um with like warmth and yeah. kindness. It wasn't like a, a fuck you yeah. kind of answer, but it was, yeah, I was quite struck by it. I was like, yeah, that's right. You don't have to participate in something that you don't feel is a valuable conversation mm. to have. It's also sometimes, I mean, I think the answer to something is less interesting than the way someone thinks about it. Mm. So there's also just the sense that like, success, and I'm using air quotes there, success in a conversation is not you firing a bunch of questions at someone and them providing you with clean answers. It's actually just you engaging with that person's brain and a different way of thinking about the world. So like, yeah, good on, did you say Dale? Dale, yeah. Good on Dale for for kind of taking it there. That's interesting. And this is like a a slight sidestep that's not really relevant to the creative warnings Q&A section, but to like conversation and interviewing in general. Um, I what I can't remember who it was now, but as a, um, an American journalist anyway, that has a masterclass, um, as in like the platform masterclass on interviewing, which I had watched and was very interesting, but talking about like the, the best thing you can do, like, yes, be prepared, but you, you have to be present and it doesn't matter how fucking intelligent and uh, well-crafted mm. and clever you think your questions are because of exactly what you're saying. Like it's not necessarily about the answer. It's about like understanding how someone thinks of something and you have to follow them on that path. And, I mean, different contexts will be different, right? So if you're like a political journalist interviewing the president about their um what do you what do you call the things that they say that they're going Poli- to do? Policy. Policy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We're it's cool. gonna be fine. Um, about their policies, then okay, like there might maybe yes. a little bit more kind of wrangling back to the point that you want to do. But but more generally, um, it's the same in conversation. You know, when like say you're in a conversation with five friends and they're all going around like telling stories of the time that we, you know went to a party and something fun happened. You're like, oh, I've got a really good one. And you're waiting your turn and then you're not properly listening. And then the the conversation goes somewhere else. And some people, and I've definitely been guilty of this too, you're like, no, I didn't get my turn. And you try to wield the (laughs) conversation back so you get to tell your amazing story. So anyway, about parties. (laughs) So back to that. Um, But that doesn't, like you just have to let to be at peace with the fact that sometimes you are not going to get to say your amazing joke or ask your brilliantly worded question because it's not serving the interview or the conversation or whatever. And often things will come back around and you might get an opportunity to ask the question or tell your story later, but you have to to let go of your turn or your like idea of how a conversation or interview yeah. will turn out. I guess the plan, and it's that thing about it doesn't make writing those notes or writing those questions a waste of time. It's almost like the act of having prepared for that conversation is as important as the ability to let go of the plan when you actually hit the conversation, like those two things. And it's hard. Like it's hard finding a graceful place to to let go of. You're like, no, but I thought of a really smart thing. And and this again, you're like, no, that's not where... This person wants to take it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm not advocating for like complete non-preparation. <laughs> yeah. Although that would be in my style. Um, but yes, it's more about like knowing when when you're following that line of questioning because it's the next logical step, or you're following that line of questioning because you think it's going to make you sound smart. Hey, can I do that thing that we were just talking about? <laughs> oh yeah did you miss out on your turn yes you got something really smart to say yeah. I wouldn't say really in fact definitely not really smart even better hit me I can't even remember what the fuck we were talking about it's actually just not even wait it is somehow linked to this I don't care all right listen <laughs> I made fucking creme brulee Alice Aidy it's, I could not be more proud. Thank you. Can we please back up? Remember like, you know, not a couple of months ago, you were not confident in your ability to, to bake a cake and we, and you burnt your one yeah. cake thing. We and then that? you just go, oh, is it because of the burning yeah. is part of the process? <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to be on fire. <laughs> this is an on purpose fire. <laughs> 
life hack 101. <laughs> it's like, don't, the pro- my process was right, but my choice of recipe was wrong. <laughs> I think the pig cake we made really just unlocked something, a whole realm of possibilities. I am so proud of you. Okay, tell me, tell me, tell me everything. Fuck. Was it successful? It was so successful that I, I am literally the biggest fan of my creme brulee. Like we were eating them <laughs> and I kept telling Tom how good my creme brulee was. <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's pretty good. And I was like, no, no, it's amazing. It's amazing. It was so, so good. It's space. It's like custard kind of. And yeah. then you like blow torch. Yeah. The it top. literally, it's four ingredients. It's sugar, eggs, and two other ingredients. <laughs> you mix them up. You do. You just follow the recipe. You do what it says. You just obey the instructions, which is hard for some of us. But I did it. And then you put a tiny bit. You need it to set for a few hours. You put a bit of sugar on top. You blowtorch it. But it just felt like, as someone who's never baked a thing, like for me, baked goods are things you you like buy from they come from like I don't know like the shops like the baker I don't know I don't fucking know who makes these things but it's like it's it's totally beyond my frame of reference to imagine that I could be this sorceress and create this thing and it felt like sneaking into a party that I wasn't invited to I was like oh I just went to the shop and like bought these ingredients and no one checked my ID to see that (laughs) I've never done this before I'm sorry ma'am have you got a license for those eggs (laughs) it honestly felt like that I was like am I getting away with this this is crazy you guys oh that's adorable I made a thing well done that is so did you have to go and buy a blowtorch? Yes. I bought a fucking blowtorch. That I think the, that was my main incentive was I wanted a blowtorch and I needed to like retroactively find like a good reason to buy <laughs> That was actually just remind me, that was the link, sorry, the callback to when we were speaking earlier about art versus design, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, oh, yeah. just make shit. Yeah. And that was, in my head, I was kind of just thinking I was going to ask you like what was the what are you making at the moment or was the last thing you made because you went through a really fun phase of making nipple tassels for a while (laughs) sure did (laughs) well that's a good question I've not made nipple tassels or creme brulee um I've not actually made a thing for a while I think and I think I'm feeling not feeling good about it not not sorry not not feeling fuck too many knots you've got this (sighs) It's not that I'm not feeling good about it. It's that I'm not feeling good as a result. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you're not sitting feeling guilty. That's yeah. But it's, is it a little bit like when people, well, people, I shouldn't generalize, but I know for me, if I don't exercise for a while, I don't necessarily even notice that that's what slipped off. But my overall wellness, well-being, mental state, like the tide just starts going down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's part of it. But um, yeah, I've got this like this sewing machine that sits in the background the of our podcast. <laughs> the like I use it. It's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> it's like you've made stuff with it before. I have, but it's so it's sort of like playing poker for me. There's always like it's so long. <laughs> I'm getting there. It's so long between times, occasions that I play poker that I have to relearn the rules every single mm. time. And it's like familiar-ish so it's not like starting from the very 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 beginning but it's also not like oh I get a little reminder and then it comes flooding back and it's the same with sewing I leave it far enough between times even like threading the needle and shit I'm like okay like I know vaguely what I have to do but I always like I miss a step or like Mm. I fuck something up enough that I have to like watch the same motherfucking YouTube video that I've seen (laughs) the last 20 times (laughs) I picked up the sewing machine and be like oh that's right god I so get that firstly with poker as well that's the that's a perfect analogy I'm like oh I feel like I know how to do this but I don't in the way that's just annoying enough that it's not new it's not shiny and new. It's exactly, it's the same. It's almost like I'll forget that I've watched the tutorial, but I go to YouTube and I can see that it's been previously watched. It was like three years ago. And I was like, who? Yeah. Which version of me watched this? This is zero <laughs> recollection. It's the same with Photoshop exactly. as well, I find. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of know how that thing works. Well, also, like, they change. I'm convinced with this new, I'm, I'm so mad at Adobe for this whole subscription fucking bullshit 
she's angry. Let's, uh, let's, I, I will go here with you. It's just, it's so expensive. And the thing is, I don't, at least these days, because I use Procreate for a lot of stuff that I might have previously used Photoshop for. And because the way that I work has changed, I don't use it a lot, but I need it. I need to have access to it occasionally enough that I have to have a subscription mm. to it because like I still do need it. It's just not something that I use all the time. And it's like 80 bucks a month or something. It's so, so expensive. And that's just forever. So literally, and sorry for anyone who's not like specifically in design or illustration, just skip forward the next four minutes. But to geek out about this, I have been having these exact same thoughts and a month ago cancelled my Creative Cloud subscription also because like 80, it's been half price while I was a student again Uh, uh and it went back up to 80 and I was like, this is fucking insane. Yeah. And I was just like, you can just download it again as you need it. But I think, I think that I think I need it more than I do. Mm, I actually think most of it, Procreate has a workaround. It might be 20% 20% less convenient, but for the amount of times that it's going to be necessary. Well, I guess oh, that the added guys. complication for me is that I do also use Premiere oh, and I will occasionally okay. use Illustrator and I'll occasionally use InDesign. Mm. So it's not just yeah. the one thing. Anyway, this is all very good. What I was going to say was <clears throat> in your defense, when it comes to Photoshop, I'm convinced that they make updates just like change tools around and shit to be like look we changed something <laughs> it's worth paying a subscription for but they're just like moving shit around oh, and to look like something has yes that's what, <laughs> that's what that's they what do I think. in the adobe offices in san francisco yeah. it's actually been like what was the one before like what was the pre-photoshop coral draw it's actually oh, just still wow. coral draw but they've been moving <laughs> the tools around for like 20 years I'm convinced. I'm convinced that that's what they're doing. Um, anyway, I'm very angry. That's um, that's our little shop talk section. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies to anyone who's not. <laughs> well, I'm sure everyone can relate to feeling mad about paying heaps of money. For yeah. something. I just, I don't, like for so many years, I had a cracked version of Photoshop or like the the suite, I guess, maybe that had just been passed around through yeah. like everyone that I knew, everyone got the the same, you know, crack file. This is many years ago. And then um, when I started using it more professionally, I was like, well, that doesn't, like yeah. it works fine. But you know what I mean? It's like if something went wrong with it or something and so, like I lost client work or or whatever, um, but then they, like then the subscription model was a thing. And then it's like every now and then I'm like, I should have just stayed with my shitty crack version that all the tools <laughs> where I like them. Yeah, but I think by now like that would be so and like it doesn't feel it the change happens slowly enough yeah but I I will say it felt great deleting a subscription like I was interesting to see how much anxiety I had around losing that as a thing I think Mm. it's been Photoshop Illustrator any of that Adobe creative software has been such a marker of my whole life as like a Mm. freelancing professional creative and it's actually just weirdly like an identity thing. I'm like not having it feels very reckless and like I don't have the tools. That's interesting. But then if I was honest with myself around like how much I'm using it and like you say, Procreate is fucking amazing and super cheap. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying really hard. I changed my bank accounts and I'm trying to see where my recurring subscriptions are and like being kind of ruthless around cutting them because people make it very easy. Like people want you to spend money, right? So yeah. it's never hard to get it back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. That's, I mean, that is something I definitely need to do. Look at what s- subscriptions I have because, I mean, definitely streaming services. I almost kind of, this is how I rationalise it Love to myself. It. Remember like back in the good old days of like Video Easy or Blockbuster or whatever where you go and rent actual videos the like you would easily spend nine dollars on like two new releases, right? <laughs> Maybe I can't remember how much it costs. So it's like nine dollars a month for like all of the stuff in the world. It's fine, but then I guess like once you do that on five different platforms and it's fifty yeah. bucks a month. Then. But I'm also just like you will remember from when we did our annual watching of Elf <laughs> many yes. years ago, and I subscribed to Disney Plus to watch that or to watch something else maybe, I can't remember. 
And I was like, I know that I'm not going to cancel this. I'm going to say to myself that I will and I won't. Have I cancelled it? No. But heaps of good stuff on Disney+. (laughs) This is exactly, you foretold it in real time. Yes, it was Elf. You know it was Elf. No, no, because no, I know we watched Elf. (laughs) Don't try. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it was like a Spanish independent (laughs) film by a known director. (laughs) Hey, I have absolutely no shame in how much I love the movie Elf. But no, I think we were originally trying to watch something else, but we couldn't get it. So we watched Elf almost by accident, and then it became a wonderful Christmas Christmas tradition. tradition. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes, I did. I was like I knew in the moment that I wasn't going to to cancel it. But there's got to be like there's got to be a bunch of other stuff that (laughs) that could go. I think most people have like at least one, potentially two subscriptions to some kind of meditation app. Like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got Headspace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, everyone mm. either has Calm, Headspace, or Waking Up. Mm. And those are the three because no one, it's like a gym subscription where you feel like cancelling it is admitting that you don't care that about this failed. thing that you yeah. want to care about. That's so true. <sighs> Guess I'll go meditate. <laughs> Guess I'll go fucking um, meditate. I do use it from time to time. I like their um, sleep casts. Oh, cute. Do you they... put on headphones in bed? and? Uh, very occasionally. Usually I'll just do it if I'm not, if I'm alone, like if I'm away or dancing at home or hasn't come to bed yet or whatever. But there's, um, so, so sleep casts, if you're unfamiliar, um, is like a voice talking. So it's not like it's usually starts with some sort of like short guided meditation of some description, like, you know, like a, body awareness thing or a breath thing but then the rest of it is just like a soothing voice essentially like telling you a it's not even telling you a story it's like describing a space or a thing so it's you don't have to yeah pay any attention it's just there's a bit of like background hum noise so that some of them are like going down a river my favorite one is called midnight laundrette So, I love this already so much. So there's sort of like the hum, imagine like the background noise of a laundromat, like like the hum of yeah. washing machines and that kind of stuff, just sort of like white noise, background yeah. noise. And then it's just a really calm, soothing voice that just des- is describing what the laundromat looks like and the different people that are in the laundromat and coming and going and like, oh, and there's a bench there and you can sit down on it and, you know, um, you could just lie down and close your eyes if you wanted to. <laughs> and it's that. just, I find it so soothing and there's something so nice because I'm really guilty of watching stuff in bed, like watching stuff on my phone. And, of course, like everyone knows the fucking sleep hygiene stuff of all the things you're not meant to do. Don't look at your phone for this amount of time before you go to bed. Don't watch stuff in bed, blah, blah, blah. But then you're like, yeah, yeah. But I want to, <laughs> but, but I want to do it. Yeah, exactly. And it, of course, fucks with my sleep, but I do it anyway. But this is like a nice in-between mm. thing where I still have that like sound in the background, but I'm not distracted by I'm not like, oh, I want to know about yeah. Carmen washing her whites. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah exactly. Like it's non-linear so you can tap in and out. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> and I suppose also because watching stuff in bed, I find – there's obviously so many different layers of engagement with content. But for most of the time, it's like, I just want company. Like, I just want to That's feel right. like something's happening or there's someone else around or there's something there. And that's it. Like, I don't need to be seeing the thing. So it is, yeah, you want to be able to close your eyes and not be getting all that blue light, but just feel, yeah, that kind of ambient noise. Mm. I I did a version of this in person the other night with Tom where I told him I told him my skincare routine while he fell asleep so he's just like we were just like lying no on purpose okay (laughs) (laughs) that was was going to be I wasn't just talking to him and he's like fucking (laughs) bye (laughs) wow no, it was an on purpose. It was an on purpose. Um, CBD was just like lying there, and we were both like really sleepy, and he was kind of like falling asleep. And it was like, just like, okay, I'm gonna tell you about when I do my skincare before bed. Oh, and it's just very did. cute. And it's the perfect content because it's so boring, but like it gives me a thing. I don't have to think of a story because I'm just yeah, like, yeah. And then I do that, and then 
my moisturizer and then this layer. Like my brain can kind of like turn off because I'm just talking. It's the same yeah. as describing the laundry. Like I'm just yeah. describing a thing in the world. And his brain is like, couldn't be less interested yeah. in my See moisturizer. Ya. So you just like drifted to sleep. Oh, so it worked? The yeah. system worked? Yeah. That's very cute. I think that story time is such an underrated thing. Like everyone I know as an adult, like we love it still. We love being told stories while we go to bed. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of what part of it as well, like wanting to watch something in bed. Yeah. It's not just trying to escape from my own thoughts. <laughs> it can be both. It can be both. When's the last time you had someone read to you? Um, it's been really long. I don't, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know either, yeah. but I just thought that's a, it's an interesting kind of thing because you have it when you're very young. I remember I, um, my favorite teacher in primary school, Miss Gilmore. <laughs> friend, friend of friend the pod. Yeah, Dan is rolling his eyes somewhere. <laughs> We're rolling our eyes. <laughs> um, when I was in primary school, <clears throat> but like la- later primary school, probably like grade five, six, she read us The Hobbit. So she just like take, I feel like primary school is like very lax in terms of how you spend your time. <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh, here's maths class. It's like, ah, oh, here's a day. We'll fill it. I think they're just like, <laughs> we just need to keep your children alive at, until you pick them up at 2 yeah. p.m. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, so she must have, and it was just because she loved it. Like it wasn't part of any like learning thing yeah. or anything, but she would just take, I guess, yeah, half an hour or so out of every day to bit by bit read as the Hobbit as a class. And I, I think it sticks out in my memory because we were older than you would usually be. It's not like kiddie oh, story time. You like mean. usually yeah. you're very young yeah, when you have a teacher yeah. reading to you like that. But we were a bit older. Um, and I think it only worked because she was so loved. Like I think if it was a different vibe of a teacher, it might have felt insulting for yes. kids that age. Um, and I think also knowing that it was something that was important to her that she wanted to share, like she loved it so much that she wanted to share it with her students, I think, and obviously not consciously as like 11-year-olds thinking this, but I feel like the the overwhelming feeling was of being loved, like yeah. being loved and and cared for in a way that, you know, isn't as like, transactional as education as like this is a, a different level mm. of like yeah I don't know feeling like connected and it was I, it takes up a, a big space in my memory and really warms my heart thinking of it because it was yeah I guess that's probably why I'm oh, working this out as I say it yeah. but yeah it was really beautiful. Do you think that it also maybe had something to do with the fact that the book itself is quite advanced so it's like she was yeah, she wasn't probably. patronizing you. Like yeah. there was a sense that actually, even though it looks like story time, which is associated with like younger children, and if she was reading something that was like at that level or lower, it might have felt that way. But instead of feeling treated like kids, it's almost like you're being treated a bit more like adults. Like she thinks you're ready for, because I mean, the Hobbit's yeah. not a. It's it, you definitely could, probably couldn't like read it yourself at that age. Yeah, yes. Yeah, you're probably spot on actually. It felt like a little like a sneaky door yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> you know, I just I remembered something the other day when I was talking to Dan. We were talking about life drawing and how I had like I couldn't remember the last time I went to a life drawing class. I used to really love it and I'd love to to go back and uh, saying <laughs> I remember the first time I ever went to a life drawing class and I was very young. I was in year seven, I think, so I was like 13. Because we had this really like ditzy art teacher who was, she was almost like a cartoon character of like a, a teacher that just had no fucking idea what was going on in the school. Do you know what I mean? Like she was nice enough, but she wasn't like, not like creative, fun, ditzy, just like a bit dumb. <laughs> <laughs> wow, hanging shit on. <laughs> I won't say her name just in case. I don't know, she was pretty old. She might be dead by now. Um, but she. <laughs> She would constantly confuse me with this other girl who was like three or four years older than me. His name was Sophie. As far as I'm aware, we didn't have like we didn't look alike, but we just both had short hair, very different styles of short hair. 
um, and we were both like arty. But she would constantly call me Sophie. I was like, fine, whatever. So I was leaving school and so they had life drawing classes after school and she was like, Sophie, Sophie, are you coming to life drawing? And I was like, yeah, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Guess so. But I'm not sure that I actually knew what life drawing was. Like I don't know that I knew that that meant a nude model at that time. I was just like, yeah, I'll go and be Sophie and do whatever Sophie was meant to be doing this afternoon. You're like there's drawing in the title. Like it sounds fun. And so I went into the class and it was a male model and he was like, I don't know, 70 maybe? And I think this is like maybe the first dick I ever saw. What? <laughs> <laughs> and he was completely hairless everywhere, head, body, everywhere, and just wore a, <laughs> a sweatband around his head. <laughs> For some reason, and he had a pacemaker that you can see. It's what? so upsetting. It's so specific. <laughs> I love the specificity of the image. It's well, like it's so... burnt into my can brain. You, can you picture his dick to this day? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture his bald head and the the sweatband. Um, but yeah, it was quite confronting, <laughs> and also like very like very rare to have a male model like usually the the, like life drawing classes that I'd go to subsequently when I was Jessamy not Sophie (laughs) I think they were except for that one occasion I think they were all women so it was just like a weird um, baptism of fire yeah totally and just had to pretend like because I I was pretending that I was someone else and that I knew what I was doing like trying to like game face it in the moment to be like this is totally normal yeah I'm not at all shocked. I'm not at all freaked out by this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, very cool and I'm meant to be here and it's fine. Especially because it's like you know that you're the young, you know that you're the kid there. So you're yeah. like trying to just like read the rest of the room and be like, what do um, worldly adults think about that? Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're casual. We're, this is not, this is definitely not the first stick I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> Or drawn. What? Totally normal. First pacemaker, yes. First dick, no. <laughs> I remember we had the first life drawing classes that I ever did were in uni, first year uni. Mm. So I was like 17, 18. And I remember they had a guy who was like an older, it was often like the later year art students who'd volunteer to do it for oh, yeah. a multitude of reasons some of which were financial some of which I just think were like getting off on that which is also valid and cool and you do you sure and he definitely fell into the latter category he fucking loved it Nikolai and he would come and he was like tall dude and I can still I mean it was exactly us trying to be a lot more adult than we were like trying to not giggle because like you know whatever this is art school and it's all very serious and I can picture his penis to this day in like in like 4K fidelity. I, like I could honestly, I'd recognize it in a lineup. Like I know it so well. And I just remember my friend Bianca, like the lecturer coming at some point, she'd drawn everything except his penis. She was so like just didn't know what to do with it. And at some point, like the lecturer coming around and looking at everyone's drawing. And like literally like tapped on her page. And I can't remember what his exact phrasing was, but he was like, you don't have to be scared of it, you know. And she was mortified. Oh, I know, because we were all trying to be so like grown up and and serious artists, you know. Yeah, but Nikolai's dick. Nikolai's dick. (laughs) Nikolai. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of a confronting thing to have to draw though. Like I feel... You know, like it's all, it's very, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's there. out there. You know what I mean? Like also, we're all, women's bodies are a bit more like tucked away. Oh, they flow you know? more. It's like yeah. a, if you're drawing breasts or a vagina, like they flow on from existing structures in a That's way right, where like the yeah. line is continuous. And you can almost like, it's you can give a, give a like an impression of a vagina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> but you have to be a bit more detailed with a t- Yeah. <laughs> Truly, what are we talking about? (laughs) When was the last time you drew a dick? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 
look, like I can't, I can't recall. I don't have any burnt <laughs> images into my mind like Nikolai, but consulting my memory, like that is potentially the only time I had a male life drawing model. But I feel like that can't be right. I must have at uni or mm. at some point in time. I but, don't know. but a long, a long time, I would yeah. say, you know, 20 years maybe. Um I it makes me think of the credit is it super bad? The credits where oh, it's like yeah. pages of just like a million different ballpoint pens. Oh decks. wait, hang on, let me back up for a second. I was talking about from life. Oh no, if you're I- talking about just drawing a dick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so when Dan and I got married, um his brother James gave a speech and it was very lovely and it, he mentioned dick drawing as part of the speech. It was relevant to something. Anyway, as part of the sort of like wrap up, um, he'd said like, oh, you know, it turns out Jessamy was just being polite and she was far better at drawing dicks than Dan. It was like just a, it was related to another thing, but I can't remember the start of the story. But anyway, dick drawing was mentioned in the wedding speech. It was very funny and lovely. As a result, in our like guest book, thing that you sign is full (laughs) of dicks and nothing could have made either of us happier in the whole world (laughs) and like Sarah Firth our first um interviewee on this show and and our guest on our live show drew like two two dicks getting married (laughs) (laughs) like one with a little bow tie and a top hat I love Sarah (laughs) (laughs) right it's so so good Sarah was at your wedding she was I wish I was at your wedding I wish you were at my wedding too I know I really wish you could (laughs) it's funny because we think and rightly so like they are like big important events and it was incredibly meaningful to me at the time all of the people that were there and obviously a lot of those people would still be the people that were there but you sort of don't think about the fact that like it's just a moment in time like any other moment in time in your life and some of those people you will grow closer to, some you'll mm. grow um, less close, you'll grow apart from, some people will move away. Like life just looks different as you move on but I think at least at the time for me when I was doing it, you feel like, oh, this is like not just the relationship with the person you're marrying is forever, but like these, these are the forever people. But of course that's not. I felt the same, like, like, um, it wasn't a conscious thought, but I think subconsciously I was like, this moment is frozen in amber. And this is like, yeah, this is, this is the snapshot of like the people that will always be my closest people. And like you say, like they are mostly for the most part still there, but that's why we should just have more weddings. I know. I so I really want to, but it's like there's that very specific thing of like when someone says they're like renewing their vows, you're like, what happened? <laughs> someone. Someone what fucked happened? up. But I get it. Like yeah. it's just like it's a, a thing that you do feel like doing. I am... Um, as an aside uh, on the like, you know, friendships changing and stuff over time, and I can't remember where I heard this, but it was on a, <clears throat> a podcast or a reel or something that I was watching, someone talking about how um, most relationships end, including friendships, which I thought was really interesting. As it, as it, so not end, as in like they don't last forever. So most romantic relationships don't last forever because mm-hmm. ideally you have one, if any, that lasts forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, or you have multiple. They, they could go for a very long time, but they don't necessarily last forever. And we don't think about friendship in the same way. Like you will have a small amount of friends who you will have forever, but most you won't. And that doesn't mean that something dramatic happens or you have a fight and you fall apart. It just means that people grow closer and further apart. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting – I don't – I'm not necessarily saying this is entirely yeah, yeah, true but- and that the number of – because obviously, well, for most people, you are having one romantic relationship at a time when you can have many friendships at a time. So the volume is different. Yeah. But um, I mean, I guess yeah. that's, that's that is changing as well in terms of like I think that that poly world is is like its own thing as well. But like it just makes me think. And again, I'm just thinking out loud, like not mm. agreeing or disagreeing. But I suppose it 
my initial thought is also I think that there is more flexibility with friendships. Because yeah. when you use a phrase like last, right, like a like for a relationship to last, I think we have more scope for friendships to last in the sense that they're in different intensities over time. So it's a bit more tidal and the tide tide or sometimes it's low tide, but that kind of ocean is still there. You're less worried about it when it's low tide sometimes. Yeah, that's very Versus true. with a partner or partners, depending on like the structure of your intimate relationship, there is, there's a much smaller threshold of like what you will tolerate in terms of if someone drifts far away there's only so long you can kind of survive that and still call it an intimate relationship yeah that's very true um and I think about like some of the people who I would consider my closest friends who I adore we could like go a year without talking yeah and it's not because anything has happened. It's just like our lives are, and as soon as we pick up the phone, it's like back to where we yeah. left off. But there's no like, if I didn't talk to my husband for a year, <laughs> exactly, that would be quite concerning. A hundred percent, and yeah. definitely that's a thing I felt a lot. Moving is, I think, obviously different people have different ways of managing friendships that aren't IRL, so to speak. And like, yeah. I am not good. I'm not a good texter. Like, I don't. I, I try. It's just not my way. I'm not great at that. Um, but there's no love lost. And I think, but it has been a journey in terms of also trying to understand that I have friends for whom that is like very upsetting and they feel yeah. really left behind and hurt by that. And it's like, how do you, I don't know, like finding a middle ground where it's like, I, I want to be a better friend to them and be more available in that way. But also it is so not me. I'm like, if you, mm. it's just not, and it's no reflection of caring any less, but I'm just like, it's, you know, I'm like, I'll, when we're in the same place, we're going to catch up and it's going to feel as much love as it ever did. Or once a, however many few months you see something funny, send a photo. You don't need any fucking caption. I don't need that from you. Yeah. Like, I know that the love is there, but it's, it's hard when you know you're hurting someone. Yeah. But it's like you're hurting them by just being yourself. But yeah. yourself is a bit shitty. <laughs> well, it's not shitty. It's just it's just the way that like the way that you are communicate, show love, whatever. But it is tricky because it like to our episode last year with Mark Manson, everything is wrong. Some things are just more wrong than others. <laughs> <clears throat> or like everything is right and some things are more right than others is kind of two sides of the same coin. That it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter, unfortunately, that from your side, you're like, it doesn't mean that I love you any less. If it feels that yeah. way to them, unfortunately, it's true. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you have to like force yourself to do something that's really, that now is just admin because that does, because that's not, that doesn't feel good for you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't feel like an exchange of love. That feels like an item on your yeah. to-do list. Yeah, 100%. So it's, yeah, I've, I've got no answers for you. It's just, it's just, it's sad yeah. that it's not anybody's fault. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been thinking so much about this and actually have been meaning to speak to you about this, like on or off air, whatever. Um, but just that exact thing around like friendships where, there is no bad guy, but just the way that people love each other is not good for yeah. the other person. Yeah. And I had this example and I'm like quickly playing it through in my head to work out if this, whatever, we can cut it if it gets weird. But like there's a, a friend that I share studio space with who doesn't listen to the podcast so it gives a shit and if she's made it this far then good, we'll talk about this. We'll finally fucking talk about this. But um. We like, I was in a shared studio space. I invited her. She moves into shared space. We were like sitting together in the kind of like dark corner. And there's like a, the other half of the studio is light and it has these big windows and like natural light. And a few of the other previous residents moved out and desks became available like on the light side. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so we like had this window of opportunity to like move. Yeah. And in my mind, I was like, well, we sit together so when the studio manager had like offered the desks, my friend wasn't there and I was like, well, I'm not going to move. And she arrives on Monday and I've like fucked off and left her in the corner. Sure. Yeah. That to me is just like, would, wouldn't feel so. I was like, okay, mental note, like I'll chat to her about it. Didn't get around to it. Then like a couple of days later, I see her on the weekend and I'm like, oh, hey, um, FYI, like Pete's mentioned, they've got tables available. 
um, I'd be super keen to move to the light side, but like I wanted to chat to you first. Like, would you sorry, be interested? Sorry, I'm just very entertained by the light side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting over it, I'm sorry. <laughs> we literally sit in like the dark. <laughs> like a little, like the little golem that I am. Yeah. And um, I was like, yeah, so like the discs will become available, whatever. I wanted to check with you. Like, are you keen? Not keen? I'd be keen, but also don't mind saying, but you know, the whole thing. And she just kind of smiled at me and she was like, ah, oh, yeah, I like, I moved two days ago. Like I already moved desks. So yeah. Right. And like, also nothing wrong with that. Like, so in yeah. the moment, like I was super hurt because I just felt like a fool. I'd literally been like, yeah, but I wouldn't move without you. Like we're a team. And this person's like, okay, clearly the rules we're playing by are different. Yeah. I also recognize that there was no contract. Like, yeah, this is me writing what I think our kind of what the parameters of this relationship are. Yeah. She obviously has different ones. It, if we'd sat down at some point and ever had the conversation and one of us had like broken that understanding, that's a different thing, right? But this is just like we're two humans with a different way of thinking about what we do or don't owe the other one, I guess, to, to put it in a yeah. really like weirdly transactional way. So it's just one example and and like of you know, kind of other, but it just, it got me thinking about this idea of like, what do you do when your feelings are really hurt by someone, but that person did nothing wrong. They were just being them in the world, but also you have the right to be you in the world. And like, sometimes the way we love each other is just like not compatible. Yeah. I know it's I just one know. example, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not for lack of, it's not for lack of love, but I'm no, like the no way you love hurts me. This yeah. sucks. Yeah. And I'm sure for for the other person, like, potentially that must also suck. She's like, oh, I just did a thing and now you're pissed. Yeah. That's also shit for her. Like, it, it works. That cuts both ways. I'm, uh, I'm gathering my thoughts on this one because I have a few different, like, conflicting perspectives. <laughs> <laughs> the voices in my head are fighting with each other. Because I think from one perspective... Like, yes, agree with all of that. Like everyone has the right to to be themselves in the world and them just showing up as themselves. If that's the way that you do or don't show love, that's a thing. And obviously, she, of course, she didn't mean to hurt yeah, your feelings. Yeah, totally. However, if you have a close friendship with someone, I think you do, even if you like you, – it's not the way you wouldn't be upset by a thing. You do sort of develop an understanding of what might or might not upset the other person. And so we are very different, right, you and I, in how we work. And I guess we are particularly lucky because we've had the opportunity to collaborate on a project which has meant we've had to look really deeply about the way that we like yeah. to work, what makes us feel comfortable and safe, what irritates us, what, you know, um, and deal with different sort of styles of, of working. So maybe it's not, maybe it's not a fair example because what's asked of, what's been asked of our relationship has been a real gift in that it's made us understand each other very, very well. Like yesterday, you've been snowed under with work, mainly work that I have <laughs> <laughs> piled onto you. <laughs> so no way, it was my own fault. Um, and usually you write a newsletter on a Thursday and you sent me a message just explaining like I don't like have the headspace to do this right now but worded in a way where, I mean, I firstly I would hate to think that you would ever be like, oh, no, Jasmine's going to yell at me. No. But but you you understand that that there are things that are important to me in terms of like consistency with things and, and blah, blah, blah. But we're able to word it in a way where I felt really seen and understood, but also really understood it from your perspective. I'm like, yeah, of course, like th this is not, a newsletter doesn't go out one week. This does not change the world. But I don't, I don't know fucking, do you, am I, think, I making any yeah, sense? Yeah. I'm just can rambling I, No, no, no. <laughs> can I say, can I say what is, what I think is maybe the, th like there's, there's always the issue that's on the table. It's a newsletter or it's a desk. Yeah. And then there is what that is, the symbolism of that thing to, to different people uh -huh. and the story of what that means. Yes. So yes. for you and me, for you, the newsletter is important because it's about consistency. 
for me in that moment, like I wasn't just like, hey, I can't do it. I was like, I, I because I understand what it symbolizes for you, even though it's not my, like we have different ideas about it, yeah. but I could be like, I know it's important. I, I recognize and value the consistency. This is why I can't, like I, I kind of yeah. could at least name those things that told you that that I see them and that yes. they, like I, I can see them reflected back. Yeah. And for the desk, I'm like, it's not about the desk. Like to me, yeah. it's about this idea of like a team, I guess, or yeah. being like that there's something about our dynamic that is special in that studio. It's a shared space, but like we're, we're a little team. We, yeah. we kind of like came in here together or like we're here as whatever. And, and that in that moment, it was a realization of like your script or your, we, this is not a shared symbolism. Like you yeah. do not share that system. And, and actually you don't need to share it because like, if we disagree about the news that are thing, or not disagree, but like we, that's not a shared, We just see it differently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like the desk thing I think could have also totally been fine if there'd been like an acknowledgement of of at least seeing what it is to the other person. Exactly. This, this is the, the, the <laughs> ramble that I was trying to get to. Thank fuck for you, Alizadi, and oh, finding I'm some like... sense in my <laughs> nonsense. But but this is it. So it's like you don't you don't have to share the meaning. You don't have to share the symbolism of of the thing. But that doesn't mean you can't understand and respect what it means yes. to someone yeah. else. But, again, all of us as humans walk around assuming that other people are mind readers and that they would somehow yeah. know the desk is not a desk or you wouldn't necessarily know that. So, I, And this is where I keep going back and forth in yeah. my mind. I'm like, well, if you have, like, that relationship with someone, like, what is your... Like duty sounds a bit fucking heavy, but like, what is your yeah? <laughs> like, what what is a reasonable expectation of someone to understand or not understand about the meaning that you have made yes. about a thing? And I, I don't know what the answer to that question is. I think it's probably yeah. I mean, I have no idea what the answer is, but I, I think that that's exactly it. And I guess you, it depends on the relationship. But that was something that Sorka, our therapist, <laughs> said to me <laughs> when I was ending. My previous relationship was just like, I, I know that I do that a lot and exist in like a very symbolic and everything means something world. And she's like, that's fine. You are welcome to do that as much as you want. But unless that is shared in a relationship, you also kind of need to at least be aware that it's not a real thing because it feels mm. very real. To, the meaning that we project onto things feels fucking real if you don't pause yourself in that moment and be like, actually, though, like what am I feeling and, and what is actually happening in front, which is just like someone packed up their laptop and moved five meters away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually all that happened. <laughs> Why do you hate <laughs> me? Why is love alive? <laughs> yeah. And that's the, and I'm sure we've spoken about this before, but like in those moments of like tailspins, which is not, I don't know how useful this advice is because when you're really wrapped up in it, it's very, very hard to step out of it. But to try and objectively look at the thing and be like, well, what is the, like, what is the truth? Like what are yeah. undeniable truths? So the only real like undeniable truth in that situation is exactly what you just said. Someone moved desks. Yeah. I know. And then you can, <laughs> then you can explore out from there. But like, that's the only thing that has actually happened. But, um, yeah. yeah, but it is like that is very hard. Well, it's yeah. I guess it just more was like it just was. It's been on my mind this idea of like the way, the kind of natural ways that we have to love people, and and how so much gets lost, kind of in translation as well. Yeah, and how much maybe different relationships we have different thresholds for how far we're prepared to travel from our default and love someone in a way that's like not necessarily our most, like our first language. It's, that's really, really, really interesting because I've thought that too and I know we've spoken about love languages oh, a lot. I was going to go there. <laughs> uh, but, but, it's, but it's something I think both of us have found very useful in all kinds of relationships. But you're right, it's like, because it's not just about how you like to receive love, it's how you show love, right? So, um, but so if someone likes to receive love in a way that's not natural for you to show love, 
sometimes that can be like, oh, cool. I didn't know that. That's a slight edit. And that's easy for me to do. That actually doesn't take a lot of energy, but sometimes it it might be like, that's actually very unnatural for me. And it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like love from my side. And then there's something that feels false about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's work. It's shifted from this work that feels good to do it sometimes feels really good to be outside of your comfort zone because you're in doing it as like this act of service for someone that feels good. But then there's a threshold and you're like, no, nah, it just feels like work now. Mm. And I also wonder from the other side, does it still feel like love? Because if you're like, say that the, the love language is gift giving, for example, and that's not a natural way that you show love. Very natural way for me personally. <laughs> um, yeah. It's all as of the, the flowers. As the recipient of so many flowers and chocolates <laughs> from Jess. I love it. It's I love it. so beautiful. But but let's say that, that, that that's not the case, right? That that's a, it's, it's not something that I'm like, oh, I hate doing that, but it doesn't, feel like love when I'm doing it. It just feels like buying you a thing because it's not, I don't associate those two things. Do you then as a recipient, if you know, like, does it feel different on your end? Even if you, we haven't had this conversation, right. But it's like, you know, when you, you eat something that's made with love and it it kind of, you know, tastes different, it feels different. Do you think being the recipient of, of love in a, format for lack of a better term that is not natural to that person does it still tick that box like does it still even if that person does love you it's just not their native language so so the first I think this goes back to that very um suspicious word authenticity mm-hmm. because it's basically coming at it where it's like okay it's not your default say say my primary love language is touch and mm-hmm. my partner's is not right but yeah for me to feel loved I want back tickles all the time yeah which is um true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or anyone listening call Tom it's true <laughs> but you know but no so like but hypothetically right if it if it happened that that wasn't his way of showing love so it so the the first part of that argument is like okay but it's now not authentic to that person because it's not their default but i would almost say that like that wouldn't undermine it that would actually add extra weight to it because if that person's just doing the thing that they would automatically ordinarily do then cool they're just doing whatever the fuck they would be doing anyway right mm. but it's like if they are seeing what you love and need to feel loved. And it is a foreign language to them, but they are showing up and being like, I will learn that language for you. I'm like, that's even more, that's way more amazing, right? Like that they're prepared to cross that distance for you to meet you where you need to be met. Mm. Mm. I, I, yes, <laughs> I, I do agree. It can be I'm both. Just, it can, I mean, it well, can be both. No, right? I, I do completely agree with you. I just wonder like, and I guess some people are bilingual or multilingual in these languages and it's easier to jump between them. But I imagine like you could you could try and learn that language, but maybe you're just like real shit at it yeah. <laughs> and get frustrated yeah. and then it doesn't have the you totally. know the intended result. And it yeah. is. It is just know. gonna feel it's gonna click in a way. I would I would imagine that's what people are speaking about when they speak about clicking with someone. Mm. is it that it's like you're meeting and it's you speak the same first language it's just easy you can run with it yeah but both are beautiful in a different way do you think love languages change over time yeah yeah I think so too yeah I think I used to be more I don't I don't know I think that I think that my previous partner who was very much like he showed love by acts of service and I think that that's really changed the way that I love in my new relationship. Like oh, I often catch myself doing things that like he would have, he used to do for me that I almost, I, I don't want to say didn't appreciate because I think that's too simplistic. Like I did, mm-hmm. I recognize them, but I, there's something about, I used to be the recipient of them and now I'm inhabiting those actions in a way that feels really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, I only ask because I think we're, and this is for like for the sake of discussion on a podcast that the, the framing we're giving the, we're giving this thing that I, d- I don't I'd hate it to sound like um, oh like you are born with this love language and that's the one that you have and you either like yeah. 
put up with changing it or you don't. Like I think it's much more like grey than that, but you will, I think a lot of people will recognise like, oh, yes, like that's definitely the most comfortable, but it's not like that stops you from moving between yes. things. Um, what, yeah. What is Dan's default? Touch, I would say. Cute. Do you get a lot of back scratches? Yeah. <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, well, I think particularly for uh, in terms of like receipt, like receiving love, definitely touch is very important. In terms of showing love, I think acts of service is definitely, um, it's right up there. I think that's interesting too, like the, um, like how you show and how you receive is not necessarily the same. Yeah. Like I do, and don't get me wrong, I love getting prezzies. It's great. <laughs> But I think I definitely love showing love that way or it feels more important to me than the other way around. Oh, uh, so, yeah. yeah. And and I th- something as well with that idea that you were saying about it changing, I'm just thinking this in real time so it might be bullshit, mm. but <laughs> I mean, that is the caveat for this entire fucking podcast. <laughs> um, but if you think about the timeline of your life, it would also make sense that the things that you need and that make you happy change. Because I think in your early twenties or, you know, just, I'm just putting numbers on it. Obviously it can, it'll be different person to person, but if you're not living with someone, acts of service is so much less relevant. I'm like, yeah, okay. You, they can help. They can pick you up from the fucking airport or something, but they're not yeah. in your house. You're not coming home from a long day at work and they vacuumed the apartment and just little things like that where there are so many more opportunities to love someone in a different way when you live with them, when you're older. Maybe maybe later in life you've got your own income and the idea of like receiving gifts or um, I don't know, things like sort of paid for by the other person is it feels less necessary or or Mm. it has less of an impact because you're you feel more secure sort of materially that's a really good point and if I was to think back as well I think you know like words of affirmation for example would have been I th- I think for me as a younger woman weighted much more heavily oh, yeah. than now because you're you know you're still working yourself out so you you seek a lot more external validation I shouldn't say you I sought a lot more external validation when I was younger than I do now. So I imagine that a a 21-year-old Jessamy would have placed a lot more weight on that as a a way to feel loved. I'm so curious to know how the role of touch will or won't change as we get older. Mm. Like I just, I really feel like there's such mixed, it's such an invisible world, like old, more, I don't know how to phrase it, mature mature touch (laughs) (laughs) you're talking about old Old folks fucking (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it it feels like it's like either you get the kind of general story which is just like that's invisible no la 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 no one's talking about Mm. that or the few times I've seen like docos of like awesome old people who are like yeah love to fuck but they are very much more people that even when they were young were maybe existing on like the edges of sexual culture and we're very much more liberated it's it's like hard to know what the just middle middle-ish ground looks like I think it's but I think it's probably the same as it is right now do you know yeah. what I mean like that we we don't know what happens in anyone's relationship except for some people who like to tell everyone about it but or maybe close friends you you talk a little bit more about those things but even still like I don't think it I think it would just be another version of of that and it would be different for everyone and there would be all sorts of different situations too like imagine um you'd been married to someone for 40 years and they were the only person you'd have ever had sex with and then they die and then suddenly you're like you know what I'm gonna make my fucking way around this nursing home (laughs) (laughs) right like yeah stuff like that must happen and people like you know, it, it could be a totally different new thing. And when you're not, um, I imagine like as like self-conscious about body stuff where you're just like, yeah, like I just spent this whole yeah. time with a 
same person and now I want to get get my old lady rocks off. I don't know. There'd be all different versions of that. I think as many versions of it as there are now. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that the good thing would be potentially that having, we're privileged enough to be of a generation and of a context where these conversations and the kind of general um, shame that people feel around sex is still there, but is really diminishing. I think yeah. like we're very lucky in that regard, which will only be great to get old into that more. Yeah. But yeah, just to your point about the, like if your life partner, if you've only been with one life partner and they die before you, I remember at my grand's old age home, <laughs> just, I mean, it Where was, is it going? It was wild. The the ratio of men to women, which is not to say that's not automatically the ratio of people fucking. I mean, there's you can of course fuck across any gender lines you want, but this was a very traditional kind of British um sort of yeah, very, very conservative setup, should I say. So I don't know yeah. if that was an option to them. But yeah, they were like three men and about 150 women in that place. Like, like guys. It was like a fucking <laughs> harem. Like they could, I was just like, I would love to know what the interpersonal dynamics of that look like. Isn't there, now I'm not sure whether this is a real thing or something that was like an episode of the TV show. <laughs> just a fantasy about, you had. Well, <laughs> about um, like, STIs being more prevalent oh in God, older I communities I because heard this. you're, um, yeah, because of situations like that. Yeah. And also because it's not like you're worried about getting pregnant if it's, you're older, right? So you're like, well, you know, not concerned 100%. about protection. It makes, I've, I'd have no idea where I heard it, but I've heard that too. And I don't know if it's the kind of like snippet of urban legend that gets yeah. passed on because it is so juicy and salacious and funny as yeah. well. It also makes me kind of happy, not in the <laughs> yeah. sense, like I don't want anyone to be out there having STIs yeah. that are uncomfortable for them, but just the like, the if that is true, like I love thinking yeah. about a whole lot of <laughs> older people <laughs> like having really positive, active sex lives. I love that that's the pull quote. I love thinking about older people fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, not like, not picturing it, not the specifics, but I yeah. think it's like, fuck yeah. It's yeah. awesome. I agree. Yeah. Well. All right. <laughs> I don't know how this can get any better than that. I'm like, I'm trying to think of any way to kind of like uh, wrap that up and put a little bow on it, but I don't I'm just going to go one. with, um, thanks for yeah. hanging out. Made my heart happy <laughs> as always. Me too. Thanks for... Um, hanging in there I feel like there's been a lot of I should stop doing this actually I feel like there's been a lot of like apologies of like I'm tired and I'm blah 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 I'm trying to just hold it together but there's no like this is just it's a it's a slice of life yeah this podcast and I will um I will not apologize (laughs) (laughs) don't the same way I won't remember remember an hour ago which feels like a week ago where I literally choked midway through the intro (laughs) (laughs) no that's how we roll about it yeah Yeah. love it well thanks for hanging out with me Miss Alice thanks for hanging out and thanks for hanging out whoever's listening to us in there Sweet, sweet ear holes today. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was me sucking your brains out your ear holes. Yeah. We should have stopped this like a minute ago. Okay, bye. We? bye. Thank you for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Club. Please follow us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're feeling extra kind, rates and review. Or if you got any insights or value from this, share with a friend. You can also find us on Instagram at ImpostorPod or online at ImpostorSyndromeClub.com.